Welcome to the Restoration Church Weekly Podcast. As you listen, we pray that you are inspired by today's podcast to pursue your God-given calling to reach just one more. Thanks for listening. Well, church, good morning. Um, I've been hanging out in Dover this morning, obviously, with you guys, but we are gathered during our preaching today with our other locations in Plymouth, Milton, and Bethlehem. Will you guys put your hands together for them? We, I am so glad to be together and just to the whole church, just say thank you for, um, for praying this week about the miracle offering and what you and your family can give. And we had that unique opportunity to buy this vehicle for WorldServe to help them in their ministry around the world. And it's going to be, um, it's going to be a fun week next week for sure. Um, I just want to give one update here, quick update on, we've been praying together as a church for how long has it been now? 30, 30 days, 35 days, been praying for an opportunity. My, my thoughts are that next week we'll be sharing with you uh, an announcement of this. So your prayers are moving things. We prayed, uh, we prayed the 21 days of prayer. We prayed for a week for a response. We prayed for a week for a decision. And so keep praying. And uh, we, our, we think Nick, this next Sunday we'll be sharing with you what we've been praying about and, uh, and what's been happening and what's going to happen. So that's exciting. Now, on social media this week, I told you that there's been another doctor-confirmed miracle that's happened within the life of people in our church. Um, I don't know when it was, a, couple, a few weeks ago, we shared with you, or as in September, we shared with you someone in our church who was on the heart transplant list, had their heart healed, and they've been taken off the heart transplant list, which is absolutely amazing. And so we had the doctor's notes to, uh, to confirm that, so you know that we're not making it up. Well, there's been, uh, last Sunday after service, uh, some, uh, uh, a parent came to share with me that uh, they had been praying for their son, and the doctor, they had a doctor's appointment, I believe it was um, last week or two weeks ago, that the doctor confirmed a miracle as well. So I want to share their story with you. And if we could pull up that first picture here. Um, our son was diagnosed with scoliosis in October of 2022 via an X-ray. We went for a six-month follow-up X-ray in April, and the curve had progressed. So listen, this is an X-ray of the child of his spine. You can see what's supposed to be a straight line curves here at the bottom. And in October, it was a 12-degree curve. By April, it had increased to a 14-degree curve. And the pediatrician sent a referral to a pediatric neurosurgeon. We could see uh, from externally, you could see it's uneven shoulder blades. And so there was an appointment set for June 2023 with a neurosurgeon. We spent nights praying and crying out to God to touch our son's body, praying and declaring divine healing. We had faith and confidence that God would straighten his bones, but we didn't stop praying. And June came, we went to the neurosurgeon appointment. The neurosurgeon and his assistant both examined uh, our son separately. They measured his spine with a scoliosis meter and with the naked eye. They identified 
that what was a 14-degree curve was maybe now a three-degree curve. He looked perplexed. He asked, asked how it was uh, previously identified. We told him the history, and he said, well, x-rays don't lie. Um, he, he has scoliosis. The doctor was convinced still that there's scoliosis here, and the mom replied, well, doctor, things can change. And he, again, he repeated, x-rays don't lie. Just two months ago, he had this x-ray and his curve grew. So he recommended a general anesthesia and an MRI scan to see if there's a tumor or any issue causing a scoliosis and follow up x-rays in October. So the doctor's looking at new x-rays and he's confused, but he's, you know, there's some other problem here. So the follow-up x-ray was scheduled for October. And they, we, the parents chose not to move forward with the MRI. We had confidence that God had healed their son. We continued to wait before we shared the news with too many people. We praised God, believing that he did a miracle on our precious child. October 11th came, the day of the x-ray at the neurosurgeon's office. We did the x-ray and then felt and waited for what felt like forever for the doctor to come in and discuss the x-ray. Finally, the doctor came in apologizing for the long delay. He looked flabbergasted. And he said, it took me so long because I had to double check the files and make sure I was looking at the same patient. This is a quote from the doctor. I don't know what happened, but he had scoliosis, but now he doesn't. He said, this doesn't happen to kids this age. You don't just grow out of it at this age. Obviously, the email said, I smiled. This was the x-ray confirmation of the miracle that God had straightened each bone in our son's spine. No matter what way the doctor tried measuring, looking for a curve, the maximum he could find was maybe a four-degree curve, but anyone could have a minor curve like that. Hardly, this is doc, hardly anyone you would find with 100% straight spine. At the doctor's office, their son whispered to his mom with expectant eyes, and he said, Mom, tell him, tell him. So I told him, Doctor, my son wants me to tell you that God did a miracle. The doctor laughed and asked, Did you tell him to say that? She said, No, he just wanted you to know. And they went on a story of printing pictures, but God healed Jeremiah and showed his power to the doctor. His, tilter, his shoulder blades were, were, weren't uneven anymore. His hips and spine looked straight externally. And then we had this x-ray to show it. You see the before here, right here. Now look at this. Straight. Straight. He had insoles in his shoes to help with his spine, but the doctor told them to take out the insoles because they're now hurting him. Church, I want us to pause for a minute and give a huge praise to our God who, 
who perplexes doctors. And, and scripture says he's the king of kings, he's the Lord of lords. And I always like to throw this in there and remind us he's the doctor of doctors. He's above all, he knows all. Church, put your hands together. Let's praise our God. The thing to, to teach here for a moment is there was, there was not a, and we're not opposed to any of these things, all right? But, but there wasn't a, it, it wasn't a, a healing service. It wasn't a traveling evangelist. It was a mom and dad who said, we're going to pray and intercede for our son. And we're, I just want to take a moment to pray together because there's probably some people in here who are needing a miracle and maybe you felt like giving up and we don't want you to give up. Uh, we want you to pray through until breakthrough, pray through, continue praying until, until the miracle arrives. And as we pray, we're going to pray together here in a moment and believe that there's going to be maybe a dozen other miracles that happen here that we'll share as you have your doctor's follow-up appointments in the future. Um, but I also specifically want to pray for a couple of the guys from Cuba. Uh, our travel team, we went to Cuba, who've, who've been wrestling with a, with a, with a, digest, a stomach problem, a digestive problem since. Um, and and uh, the, one of the guys has been to the doctors. They're not finding anything wrong. And, uh, and we just want to pray that that'll just be over and resolved for them, all right? And not to scare, I was hesitant sharing this because I don't want anybody to be scared to travel with us next year. Uh, this is uncommon, and, and if they can't find anything happening physically, then what we understand is that it's somehow a spiritual attack that's providing, that's bringing a physical problem. And so we, you know, whether it's uh, an amoeba or... or um, or a demon, whatever it may be, none of that is greater than Jesus. Listen, if you need a miracle, I want you to close your eyes and just even place your hands in a place, um, just a posture like you're receiving that miracle. And you tell God what it is. You tell God what's going on in your life. It could be a healing in your brain for a mental health condition. It could be a spine, a hip. It could be a financial miracle. It could be a heart miracle. It could be a stomach miracle. But you're receiving from God in this moment. And Jesus, in the same way that you healed a heart, in the same way that you healed a spine, I ask you to speak, I ask you to heal the stomachs of the guys who went on the Cuba trip. I ask you to heal the physical bodies of the people who have their hands raised up towards you. You are the doctor of all doctors. And when there is no way and there is no solution, it's no problem for you. May you bring and continue to do miracles, God, that you would get the glory that your name would be lifted high, that all would know how real and powerful and great you are. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, I'm going to run out of time today. I am in big trouble here.
Uh, this is about the time the band starts praying. And I want to, I'll have to save it for next week. Will you guys remind me, I, when I was a teenager, and I've shared it with a bunch of you already, but when I was a teenager, I heard of a bunch of miracles that happened in Cuba. And um, when I was in Cuba, I confirmed those miracles. If you'll remind me, I want to share that with you next week, but I don't have time today. Uh, we are going to roll here. We're going to get you out on time today. Um, and on time is uh, uh, before tomorrow. So <laughs> we started this series. Um, we probably, church will end on Sunday. We started this series in January called Like Jesus. And we're finishing out the year this series. We've been in and out of this series looking to become like Jesus and to grow like Jesus. And through the rest of the year, it's going to be like Jesus. That's what we're going to be talking about. And we started the year with this illustration of, of two Rubik's cubes. And one represents Jesus, perfect, without blemish, without error. Error. I don't have to speak like that. Without any, without any problems. Without a bad ERA. I think that's what I was trying to pronounce there. And we, on the other hand, not quite... Like we, we, there's a, we're in the image of Jesus, so it's a cube, we're a cube. In the image of Jesus, but, but not Jesus. And the process and the journey that each of us are on is this process called sanctification, where we allow ourselves to be placed in Jesus's hands. And we allow him to just work on us, to change us, to speak to us that we confess our sins, we lay down our lives before him. When he, when he talks to us about, about giving, we are obedient to that and it clicks. When he talks to us about our speech, which is what we're talking about today, that we let him grow in that, that we're continually over our lives, allowing him to work in us. And little by little, piece by piece, and somehow, I mean, I don't know how to work these things. It used to be all green moments ago, but I jacked it. Somehow, little by little, parts of our lives become looking more like him, little by little. And the longer you follow Jesus and you don't give up, more and more of you looks like Jesus. And we have the choice to be, to be later on in our life, someone who looks and resembles Jesus like so much of our life, or to just be religious. And at the end of our life, we look no more like Jesus than any other crotchety neighbor in our neighborhood. <laughs> and what we've wanted, it's been our theme for this whole year, we do not want to be religious people. We don't want to learn how to act like church people. We want to learn not even to pretend like we're like Jesus, but that he's transformed us internally. And I shared at the beginning of the year that, we, that to just act like church people is like to peel off the stickers and to rearrange them, but that's not becoming like Jesus. We want to internally become like him. Today, what we're talking about is, um, uh, and I, I shared it already, is learning how to speak like Jesus. And certainly there's a, a lot of scriptures where we can look at, but I want to look at uh, one of the miracles of Jesus. Again, we can see in recorded history how he healed people back then, and we can see that he still heals people today. But the miracle is not what we're going to look at. We're going to look at the conversation 
that he has. So John chapter five, if you've got your Bibles turned there, and I read out of the New Living Translation, and this is primarily what we use just for readability and understanding. In John chapter five, well, you can hang on here because we'll, we'll like we did last week, we're going to read a portion, talk through it, read the next part, talk through it. But it says afterward, Jesus returned to Jerusalem for one of the Jewish holy days. Inside the city near the sheep gate was the pool of Bethesda with five covered porches. Crowds of sick people, blind people, lame people, paralyzed people, they lay on the porches. One of the men lying there had been sick for 38 years. And the kind of, there's an inference there that he's been there a long, long time. When Jesus saw him, and he knew he had been ill for a long time, he asked him, would you like to get well? Listen, we're going to speak like Jesus. There's a lot here just in that one line. We got to understand Jesus, he's asking questions. And we have an op- a lot of opportunity in our life as Christians living in a culture that doesn't exactly understand us, doesn't want to understand us sometimes, likes to mock us and make fun of us. We can, we can take on a spiritual pride. We can take on uh, a, a um, superiority complex. And our interactions with people, man, we're not asking questions. What are we doing? We're accusing We're attacking, we're antagonizing, we're assuming, even in our relationships, within our marriage, within our our friendships, within our family. Our posture is not asking questions, getting understanding. We just know our position, and so we're going to accuse, we're going to attack, we're going to antagonize, we're going to assume. Jesus, it feels a little bit like a stupid question. Do you want to get well? Well, we've got to know not everybody who's sick wants to get well. Not everybody who's stuck in addiction wants to be free from addiction. Not everybody who's in poverty wants to break out of poverty. Not everybody who's, who's in the middle of sin wants to get out of that sin. It's a big question. Do you want to get well? And I'd love for you. <coughs> Excuse me. Last week, I had this joke all prepared all right, I, at the beginning of the message, I pulled out this air container. It was a bottle of O2 that you can buy from the grocery store, and I should have set it up better, but we, it was Mr. O'Hare selling air, and here we are in our culture. Actually, you can go to the store and buy air. And I thought, in the middle of the message, if I start coughing, I'm going to grab the oxygen and breathe it in. And I never coughed last week, and I thought, I should fake cough so I can at least use my joke. But I didn't do it. I want to be real with you, authentic. But now here I am coughing, and I really wish I had that air. <sighs> I don't have time for this. What am I doing? <laughs> the, do you want to get well? Listen, close your eyes for a moment. Close your eyes for a moment. Jesus, he is asking you this question as well. He, he is asking you this question each week. Do you want to get well? I've got something for you. I can, do, I can change that in your heart. I can do that for you. I've got a miracle for you. I've got a future for you. Do you want to get 
well. And your response to him right now can be, yeah, yes, please. Allow him to do that in your life. How many of our, you could feel free, you can keep your eyes closed as long as you're awake. We, you, how many of our relational problems would have been averted if we had just asked each other a question instead of assuming? How many marriage fights? How many fights with our kids or our parents? How many, uh, you know, with an employee or a manager? How many fights? would have been averted if we just asked a question first. Proverbs 18.2 says, Fools have no interest in understanding. They only want to air their opinions. Take time. Ask questions. Get understanding. Make sure you're not offering someone something that they do not want. Verse number seven, the guy responds, I can't, sir. For I have no one to put me in the pool when the water bubbles up. And so he, he's, got his, he's got his reasoning why he can't be healed. And maybe you've got your reason. I can't be healed. I can't be well because this runs in my family. Or I don't have medical insurance. Or we don't live near the best hospital. And I can't afford to go to that. We all have our reasons why we can't get well. I've tried that before. I can't get a counselor. I, and he's got his reasons as well. And Jesus told him, stand, pick up your mat, and walk. What is Jesus doing here? Well, he understands what's going on, but he's speaking life into the man. We very easily can speak discouragement over people. It's easy to tear someone else down. It's easy to mock and to scoff and to make fun of. Very, very easy. Trust me, from my perspective... Easy, lots of things I can make fun of you guys for today. <laughs> it's not a hard thing to sit in the chair and be like, ah, oh, Pastor Nate, this, that, the other. Oh, the band, they messed up this. They did that song. They did. It's very easy to, to, the church, they do all these things wrong. Very easy. You don't have to be talented to tear someone else down. But could you have the opportunity to speak life into another person? That in their death and destruction and destitution, that you could see someone and call something out, that they would begin to act and respond and behave and move in ways they've never moved before. Just because you spoke the possibility into their life. Ephesians 4.29 says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Jesus calls something out of the man. He speaks of a future not yet seen. Certainly, there's a divine miracle in there, but it's not just for him, but now for the benefit of so many, for the benefit of us today to receive that and to experience that. In your interactions with your spouse, with your employees, with your kids, 
with your friends, with your church leaders? Is, what, is the, what is the dynamic? Are you speaking life or are you just complaining? Not that there, you're, there's not ever a place to speak for, for correction. Some uh, pediatricians and psychologists recommend that within our kids, there's at least a five to one praise to correction ratio. That you're praising them and encouraging them more than you're correcting them. I'll, listen, I'll tell you for what, that's a hard thing for me. I see something wrong, I want to fix it. And, and even with, with church staff, right? To, you know, and hopefully they're not amening at the other location, but it, it's a... But it can be hard for me to, I just, I want things to be better, 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 better. Let me coach you up. But I can't be Bill Belichick, all right? It's not speak like Bill here. It's like Jesus. And I've got to see things in them, call things out of them, encourage them to become, not what I want, but really what Jesus has for them in their life. Verse number nine, just like the miracle today, instantly the man was healed. He rolled up his sleeping mat and he began walking. And said, but there's a but here, but this miracle happened on the Sabbath. And so the Jewish leaders objected. Again, easy to tear down, easy to mock, make fun of. They said to the man who was cured, you can't work on the Sabbath, he's carrying his mat. It was against their rules. The law doesn't allow you to carry that. But he replied, well, the man who healed me told me, pick up your mat and walk. And so I <laughs> picked it up and walked. I mean, they said, who demands such a thing as that? And the guy didn't know. I don't know who it was. Jesus just healed him and took off. He, he didn't really share who he was. But afterward, Jesus found the man in the temple. Interesting thing, he received a miracle and he, began, he went to worship. I think sometimes we follow Jesus just until the miracle comes and then we bail out. God, I need you to save my marriage. As soon as the marriage gets settled, we stop going to church. God, touch my, we start bringing our kid until our kid acts, kid to youth group until our kid acts normal and then we'd stop bringing them. God, I just need a miracle. Once the miracle, I'm done with you now that the miracle's over. No, this guy had his healing and where does he go to? He goes to the place of worship. The man Jesus found him in the temple. He tells him this, and this is very interesting. He says, now that you are well, now you are well, so stop sinning or something even worse may happen to you. Is Jesus threatening the guy? Speak like Jesus, threaten people. <laughs> no, what is he doing? He's giving him truth. And this is really something that we hate. We hate this. And if I wanted to, I could probably say five truths right now to make sure that we have a lot more empty seats in our church next week. We hate this. But Jesus this is not the only place he does this, right? Hey, you're well, stop sinning. You gotta stop sinning now. But he says this to the woman at the well, the woman who, was, or excuse me, the woman who was caught in adultery. They were about to kill her because they caught her in adultery. And eventually Jesus asked some questions. He literally disarms the mob. They all leave and he says, hey, young lady, I don't, I don't condemn you either. But that wasn't the last thing he said. What did he say? Now, go, sin no more. 
we hate this because we're like, well, I should be able to, I should be able to live however I want. The church shouldn't judge. I thought the church was about love. I thought blah, blah. <laughs> Sorry. We're not coming, we're not starting with truth, right? We're asking questions. Hey, do you want to get well? Hey, do you want to follow Jesus? Yeah, I want to follow Jesus. Listen, this is what the life is, the John 10, 10 life. God promises life to the overflow for those who follow him. Not that there's never suffering or bad things that don't happen, but God's promise, he's an ever-present help of time of trouble. You want that? Yeah, all right. Well, here's part of, here's part of following Jesus. Go and sin no more. That, that apartment you got with your girlfriend, move out. The fornication, the sin, the sex outside of marriage, stop. The drunkenness and the, and the, and the blackout parties, lay that down. Follow Jesus. I don't think you should be telling me. I'm not telling you how. I'm not telling. You said you want to be well. Pick up your mat. Follow him. You want. You said. If you don't want to, I, ignore that I ever said it. I'm not trying to make you fall in line or to act right. You're just saying, hey, we want to follow Jesus. So I'm just saying, all right. Jesus said, now, now stop sinning. Stop sinning. Because life to the overflow, the John 10, 10 life doesn't happen simultaneous while we're habitually going against scripture and going against his word. You can live however you want. But, but John, uh, Jesus said to Nicodemus, who was a religious leader, he said, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the spirit. This is only salvation that comes through following Jesus giving your life to Jesus. It's the only way salvation comes. And you can say, I'm going to add Jesus, but never allow him to change anything in my life. Listen, when you disengage from this Rubik's Cube sanctification process, when he comes in, he's like, okay, here's what we're going to do today. Listen, the moment you say, no, ah, put that back. Okay, well, let me try it. No, don't do it, Jesus. Can't touch that. Okay, well, how about that? No, don't do it, Jesus. I don't want to hear about that. What have we done? We're not following Jesus anymore. When we don't let him transform us to work on our heart from the inside to the external behaviors of our life, we are no longer following him. You can call yourself a Christian. You can come to church. But if you're not letting him and so I'm not telling you, you, let me control your life. That's not what I'm saying. You're not letting him speak to your heart and make you repent, transform your behaviors. But when you stop that, and every single one of us faces that temptation, you've taken your cube and you've walked, you've walked away from him. And you can walk away from Jesus while coming to church. I've known a bunch. You can walk away from Jesus while doing everything right externally. But inside your heart has grown stone cold. It's dead. You're not following him. Listen, I'm over time, but I want to pray for you. Will you close your eyes? Speak like Jesus. Ask questions. Speak life. Give truth. Jesus, we love you and we worship you. And our heart's desire is to become like you. That we would be a church that's like you. That we would be your bride, that we would be church people 
who, when people interact with us, they have an encounter with you because we're, we're becoming so much like you that we are your ambassadors representing your words and your deeds. We're your hands and your feet to a lost, broken, and, and, and dying world. We want to be like you, Jesus. I pray, Jesus, today, make me like you. That I'll speak like you. No matter, I'll speak like you with Michelle. I'll speak like you with my boys. I'll speak like you with the staff. I'll speak like you to my neighbors. I'll speak like you to the people who work at the store. I'll speak like you in all places at all times. Change me, God. I think of the scripture God, that what's in our heart is what comes forth out of our mouth. And we just pray, God, that we don't learn a new language, but that our heart is transformed. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.